trouble. Ryan flips one into the engine with a prayer incomplete. Jalen Mills covering. Unbelievable. Biggest play of the game. Julio Jones falls down. Hey, I'm Mike. And I'm Daniel. And we are Civil Youth, and you are listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. These are just emotions. Coming through the motions. To make it seem like I'm the only one. This is my moment to break free to the left of the door and throw the key from whatever is holding me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, week one was positive for the Eagles, a big 32-27 to win against the Washington Redskins, and now we get set for Sunday night football against the Atlanta Falcons. It is week two of the regular season in 2019 for Eagles enemies right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia, and we are bringing back another familiar friend this year because we play the Falcons again. So David J. Walker from the Falcoholic, uh, the SP Nation Falcons blog, is on the line with us. What's going on, man? Great to have you back on the podcast. Glad to be back, Kyle. Uh, so let's get into the uh, the unfortunate news for the Falcons. One, they're coming off a tough loss to the, the Minnesota Vikings and lose Chris Lindstrom to a broken foot, and he's going to miss at least uh, eight weeks. Tell me a little bit about you know the current state of the Falcons uh, when it comes to the injury front and their plans to replace a, a pivotal part of this offensive line. Well, uh, Lindstrom was definitely a hit. Uh, as far as we know, that's the um, only major injury. Uh, we did have one of our wide receivers, Russell Gage, uh, suffer a concussion in the game, so he's going through the protocol. Uh, all signs are he's looking pretty good. Uh, he, he's just you know in that protocol at this point. He's not a major player on offense, so I wouldn't consider him to be a big loss. So the Falcons have been putting uh, Jawan Brown in at right guard. He's got a lot of experience there. He's someone they signed uh, this offseason. They like his potential a lot. Uh, so I, I think, you know, when you consider the fact that Lindstrom's a rookie, uh, was, you know, getting some pretty tough assignments early on to start this season. Uh, you know, Fletcher Cox is no easy assignment for anyone. Uh, Jawan Brown arguably is going to give about the same performance since he's got some more experience in the NFL, but uh, hopefully we'll get Lindstrom back uh, before the season comes to an end. And you know, the Falcons catch a big break uh, when it comes to the Eagles' pass rush as Malik Jackson is now done for the season with a Liz Frank injury. Uh, so it looks like Tim Jernigan's going to be stepping into that defensive line, which is a guy the Falcons are familiar with when it comes to the Eagles and Falcons playing against one another. Uh, what are your expectations for this offensive line going up against this Eagles' pass rush now that Malik Jackson's down and it's a little bit less depth uh, across that defensive line. Yeah, you know, I, I still look at the some of the names there. Uh, you know, Brandon Graham, someone I was hoping you guys would let walk this offseason. He was <laughs> someone I wanted the Falcons to target. Uh, I love what he does uh, as a you know, as pass rusher. Obviously, Fletcher Cox is one of the best uh, in the game uh, at his position. It, it's another tough assignment. You know, the Vikings have a, a very formidable line as well, uh, and this is all, an offensive line that the Falcons have spent the offseason trying to rebuild they, they were pretty bad last year um alex mack is you know really good in the middle uh you guys know what good center play looks like uh, up in philadelphia and, and mack is one of the best in the league 
Um, and the guard play should be improved over the backups we had playing there last year. James Carpenter has done pretty good at left guard. Uh, Jake Matthews had a rough game uh, last week, but he's he's generally a, a serviceable, decent uh, left tackle. Uh, and Caleb McGarry, our, our rookie right tackle, uh, has looked good as well. So uh, it's going to be a tough matchup. You know, I'm not. I don't think the Falcons' offensive line is going to get the better of this line. Uh, but if they can keep Ryan relatively clean, I'm, I'm hoping he'll have a little bit more success this week. Yeah, and you know, uh, the the biggest elephant in the room for the Falcons this offseason was getting that Julio Jones extension done, and it gets done on Saturday. How big was that to, you know, finally lock him up to this big contract so that the Falcons really don't have to have that distraction looming over them all season long? It was a big deal. Um, you know, there were some who were speculating that Julio might not play on Sunday, this past Sunday against the, the Vikings if a new deal wasn't in place uh, for, you know, simply for contract leverage. I'm not sure that it was ever going to get to that point. I, I, I felt like uh, the front office and the player always knew they were going to get the deal done before it came to something like that. Uh, so there was, you know, some frustration with the media, with Julio, the last time he spoke with them. Um, but it is a big deal to get it wrapped up. You know, he's 30 years old. This contract uh, goes through his age 35 year uh, I think the Falcons will have essentially an early out when he turns 33. Uh, he's still, you know, he still performs at an incredibly high level. I think you could still argue he's one of the top two, three receivers in the league. Uh, so it was critical. You know, he's someone that Ryan looks to a lot, and he's a he's an explosive playmaker. And I know you and I kind of go back and forth about kickers on Twitter as well. Um, to have Matt Bryant back <laughs> in that locker room, uh, just as a veteran leader and a guy who's been around this team for for quite some time now. Um, how important was it to, you know, have somebody that this team could trust, you know, kicking field goals and kicking those extra points? Uh, it's huge. You know, I, I think if you look, you know, the Falcons had um, Giorgio Tavecchio, who came in last year and, to his credit, you know, made every field goal uh, that he was asked to take uh, during the regular season, three games that he uh, played for uh, Matt Bryant, who was out injured. Uh, and I think they saw him. 29 versus 44, and they thought, okay, we got to get young at some point. Um, but he just fell apart uh, this preseason. And when you bring in Blair Walsh, uh, you know things have gone sideways. So <laughs> they, they, brought, they brought him in, and he had one good practice, and then literally I think went four of nine in the next practice. It was just, and that, that alone spurred the phone call. Uh, to Matt Bryant and got that deal done. But it is a huge deal. Bryant has been one of the best in the league since, you know, the past decade. Uh, super reliable. And, and it makes, you know, when you're an offense uh, that is struggling this certain season, having a kicker uh, that can secure you some points, even at, you know, 45, 50, that's, that's, that's a big deal. And, you know, the other two uh, big names on this offense for the Falcons are Devonta Freeman, who a lot of people, especially in the fantasy realm of things, are very worried about because of the injury to Lindstrom and the way the offensive line is looking. Uh, and then Calvin Ridley seemed to have a, a pretty good game. What are what are you know the vibes in Atlanta about Calvin Ridley heading into his sophomore season and what he's expected to do for the offense? And do we see kind of a bounce back for Devonta Freeman this week against the Eagles? Um, I'll start with Freeman because I, I feel like you know going against the Vikings is a bad first sign of running running back, um, but. Uh, the funny thing is, is that his backup, Edo Smith, arguably had a better game on fewer snaps. Uh, he got more yards, a, a better rushing per, uh, average, and 
but Devontae is one of those guys that, you know, he gets about five, eight, ten carries in, and that's when he starts to really uh, start to get the payoff. And he's also a good receiver. And I think, you know, if you're in a PPR league, he's, he's the kind of back you like to see where he's, you know, he's getting some of those dump offs. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what to make of it. You know, he's had two straight years with uh, a bunch of injuries. And I think fans are sort of, you know, holding their breath here in Atlanta to see if he's, you know, truly back to his form back in, uh, you know, 2016. Uh, but it, it's, there is some trepidation where Devontae is concerned in Atlanta. Um, Calvin Ridley, on the other hand, I think fans are really, really excited about what he can do. Uh, we saw some of what he did last season. He had a great rookie year. Uh, and I think it's going to get better because with Julio Jones on the other side, defenses are going to have to figure out who they're going to put single coverage on. And more often than not, uh, you know, they're going to commit double coverage to Julio Jones. And that's going to give Calvin Ridley a ton of favorable matchups. It's something Matt Ryan looks for, and he has targeted him deep often, and he's uh, been wide, wildly successful with it. So uh, he is somebody I think uh, is going to put up some big numbers this year in, a, in his second year in the league. Um, simply because you, you can't double both guys, and he, he's someone that benefits a lot from that. And you know, something that uh, Eagles fans were losing their minds over, myself included, uh, this past Sunday, was that touchdown that uh, Case Keenum was able to get off to Vernon Davis. Now, me personally, I think Austin Hooper is a much better tight end than Vernon Davis. Uh, do you expect to see Matt Ryan uh, and this Falcons offense go to Austin Hooper just knowing that uh, it's going to be probably a third safety being Andrew Sandejo covering Austin Hooper in this game. Yeah, absolutely. And we saw it last week. Um, Ryan has gotten incredibly comfortable with Hooper. It's his fourth year in the league. He was a pro bowler last year, his first time there. Um, and he has, he has quietly become one of the better receiving tight ends in the league. Uh, and doesn't really get the national attention that some of the big names do. But uh, he's someone that Ryan targets often. And I think in this game in particular, uh, he's he's going to be looking for him. Now, that said, uh, I'm not sure quite what the corner situation looks like there, but when you do have you know, Julio and Mohamed Sanu and Calvin Ridley uh, as your top three receivers, it, it does tend to drop the targets for other guys. Um, but Hooper is someone that got a lot of looks last week, and I don't think that will change going into uh, Sunday. And, you know, the storyline for the Falcons last year, too, was just all of the injuries on the defense they seemed to. Uh, have withstood week one so far, but uh, what did you see from the Falcons' defense being healthy in week one? Although, you know, the the uh, Vikings were able to come out with a win, what were some positives that you saw from the Falcons' defense that they might look to build on uh, in week two? Yeah, it was a mixed bag. Um, Grady Jarrett uh, continued to dominate. I think he uh, ate the Vikings' offensive line apart, you know, tore it apart all by himself. Um you know, on the interior, the Falcons seem to have some good play. You know, they've got Jarrett, they've got Alan Bailey, uh, Jack Crawford is an underrated interior pass rusher. Um, Tyler Davidson uh, was doing a great job stopping the run. Uh, it was on the edges where they had a lot of problems. Vic Beasley was disappointing. Tech was disappointing. Uh, you know, anyone on the edges, that's where, uh, you know, the Vikings were absolutely feasting uh, is those outside zone runs. Um, the corners, Desmond Trufant, uh, looked like he had a really good game. Uh, Isaiah Oliver started his first game, uh, and was a mixed bag. Uh, Deion Jones in the middle, uh, fantastic, had a good game. Um, and then Ricardo Allen and Keanu Neal, two of the guys who were also injured last year. I think they're still getting back into game shape. I can, you can see a little bit where I think they were 
not quite themselves, and I think that will get better as the season progresses. And now looking at the, the Vikings defense compared to this Eagles, or the Vikings offense, I should say, compared to this Eagles offense, we all know that Carson Wentz isn't only going to throw the ball 10 times this weekend. Um, <laughs> and, you know, with all the weapons that he has now, we saw the, the early chemistry with Deshaun Jackson this weekend and Alshon Jeffrey as well. With all these weapons that, you know, Doug Peterson and the Eagles offense are rolling out, uh, how, how do you expect this Falcons defense to attack, you know, the way that Doug Peterson's going to game plan this game from an offensive standpoint? Uh, it's a great question. This is a, a tough as hell assignment. Um, you know, I look at that Eagles offensive line. It's arguably one of the best in the league. Again, um, you know, Zach Ertz, uh, fantastic tight end. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Deshaun Jackson. I think he will match up with Desmond Trufant, uh, who's got the Trufant, who's got you know some top end speed as well. And so that matchup makes sense to me. I'm more worried about Alshon Jeffrey versus Isaiah Oliver. You know, our second year first time starter uh, on the other side. And honestly, you know, if Carson Wentz is given a lot of time in the pocket, that's going to be a, a big deal. So the matchup I'm looking at is Grady Jarrett uh, going up against, you know, Kelsey and some of your interior guys to see if he can generate some interior pressure. Because uh, right now, you know, the Falcons beating, you know, Johnson or Peters on the edge does not look likely with who we've got out there. Uh, it, it, it's, I'll be honest, this, this matchup makes me nervous. I think if, uh, if anything, they need to try to force turnovers. Um, but Wentz is a really good quarterback, so uh, I'm, I'm this Eagles offense has me sweating bullets. Now, when it comes to you know Desmond Trufant and Deshaun Jackson, there's a little bit of familiarity there with Deshaun playing in Tampa Bay right. the past couple of years. How much does that play into you know Desmond Trufant's ability to go and attack that assignment? Uh, he's had he's had a pretty good um, run of it against Deshaun in when he was in Tampa. Now. Uh, I would argue Tampa does not have quite the quarterback. Uh, so Absolutely. <laughs> I, think, uh, I, I, would, I would take Wentz uh, 10 times over 10 uh, over Jameis Winston, so you know, take that for what you will. Um, but Trufant is a, is a good quality, you know, fast corner. He matches up well with Jackson. It really, when it came to Tampa, the, the guy they struggled with uh, was Mike Evans. Um, and it's those bigger receivers that we struggle with in the past. The bigger receivers are the guys that – uh, Isaiah Oliver uh, was drafted for. You know, he's a, he's got long arms. He's lengthy. Uh, he's the kind of guy they you know they want to go in there and, and be the Richard Sherman of this defense uh, to use the Seattle reference. So I think uh, really, if I'm looking at these two matchups, Jeffrey is the one that has me maybe a little bit more concerned, simply because Trufant and Jackson have gone at it before, and it's usually you know pretty close between the two of them. Now, when it comes to uh, the Falcons' coaching situation, how much of a hot seat, in your opinion, do you think Dan Quinn is on this year to just have this team perform so that he's able to keep his job? Well, it's, you know, after Julio's deal got done, uh, the owner, Arthur Blank, basically said, yeah, and now he expects championships with an S. Uh, and I think, you know, anytime your owner says that he wants championships, you know, that, that's uh, that's a pretty hot seat. I don't think he's going to accept mediocrity this season. A lot of people were willing to write off last year, 7-9, with, with just a metric ton of injuries uh, to the defense and, and the offense. The offensive line got banged up last year as well. So a lot of people wrote that off and said, okay, you know, this is the year. But honestly, with the way that they started, with the way that they looked against the Vikings, particularly in the first half, um, I, I think that did not help matters. I wouldn't expect to see anything happen midseason, 
But if they continue to turn in performances like what they did up in Minnesota, uh, I, I think that seat will get hot very, very fast. And, you know, speaking of Minnesota, too, they have that bell cow back in Dalvin Cook where the Eagles are kind of a, a running back by committee still with Jordan Howard, mm-hmm. uh, Miles Sanders, Darren Sproles, and Corey Clement. How does that change, you know, the philosophy of the run defense for the Falcons, knowing that it's probably not going to be one guy, you know, toting the rock for the majority of the game where it's going to be different run styles across the board with three or four of those guys? Well, uh, considering the fact they couldn't stop anything on the ground last week, I'm not sure what they're going to do. You know, I I do think that Dan Quinn saw what happened last week defensively. You know, he's calling the defense now, so that reflects directly on him. Uh, I I think they're going to come out with a plan of attack to absolutely try to limit, you know, the runs. I will say, uh, the Vikings had very little success running up the middle. It was, it truly was the outside zone runs where they just feasted uh, on the Falcons' defense. So, uh, if, if the Eagles are going to run, they should do it to the outside. Um, and I think Dan Quinn will make it a point this week to emphasize uh, those, you know, setting the edge and, and getting those defensive ends in position to make plays, uh, so that we're not seeing running backs getting hit, you know, by by corners and safeties, you know, five, eight, ten yards downfield. So. Uh, it's it's going to be one philosophy. It's going to be fixed what's broken. And right now there's a lot that's broken with this run defense. And, you know, this game doesn't seem like it's going to be the style of game we've seen the last two times these teams have played where it ends up being, you know, 15-10. to 10. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a big shootout. But I think Julio Jones has a chance to do something because Jalen Mills won't be on the field uh, to, you know, mm-hmm. bat the ball away because he's still injured from October 28th, 2018. Um but when it comes to Julio Jones and the way that Jim Schwartz has kind of played him the past couple times these teams have played, where he lets him, you know, get his yards in between the 20s, but he's more concerned about stopping him in the red zone, how can Matt Ryan kind of exploit that and get Julio his touches, whether it's in the red zone or just, you know, the deep passes? Yeah, well, I think in the past it's, you know, it's been Julio, but I do think the wild card here is Calvin Ridley. Uh, the more you pay attention to, to, to Julio, uh, Ridley becomes a, a far more uh, dangerous option. And, and we saw that last year. You know, Calvin Ridley, I believe, had nine or ten touchdowns uh, in large part because he saw a ton of single coverage uh, and Ryan would just go over the top. We saw you know, quite a few big, long touchdown uh, passes to Ridley uh, all throughout the 2018 season. Uh, so for me, you know, even if that is the plan with Jones, I think the 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 huge differentiator now is that Ridley is this additional wild card that can get down the field. He can run the entire route tree. He's extremely quick. Uh, he's arguably as elusive, if not more so than Jones. He's he's a little more shifty than than Julio is. Uh, so I, I think that's you know that is going to be the wild card. Julio's going to get his touches. Uh, and Julio does not worry about touchdowns. He's not a fantasy football player. So, uh, he doesn't worry about that stuff. Um, so for me, it's it's going to be what they've always done. Uh, and it's going to be, you know, sure, target Julio. But if you if you double him and you try to take him away, we're, we're going to find someone else. And, you know, you brought up Ito Smith earlier, too. Uh, now that Tevin Coleman's gone, how much has that changed the running back room? Where is it more pressure on Devontae Freeman? Is it more on Ito Smith? Or is it a combination of both, knowing that those are the you know one-two punch for them now that Tevin Coleman's in San Francisco? You know, I think um, it's definitely more pressure on Devontae. And I think he feels that. You know, he got the big contract and then immediately had two seasons where he was injured and did not perform, you know, arguably up to expectations. 
So he, I think he really feels like this year is his year to prove that he's worth that money that they gave him. Um, and for Edo Smith, I don't think he's feeling as much pressure. I will say, uh, you know, the Falcons have two other running backs who both were surprisingly inactive last week, uh, Brian Hill and then uh, rookie draft pick uh, Quadri Allison, who both are bigger backs. They're more physical, uh, big runners. Um, and they are waiting in the wings. Both had fantastic off-seasons, pre-seasons, uh, and looked really good. Uh, so even if Devontae doesn't pan out, if they have to, uh, you know, turn to Edo Smith, and, and I, I think probably one of Hill and Olsen is going to be active, they really like the running back depth more than they have in the past. Uh, Coleman was a loss. You know, he, he's uh, a good receiving back, uh, someone with a ton of top-end speed. But uh, I like what Edo Smith brings to the table, and we saw it even last week you know, where – uh, the Vikings were able to shut down Devontae. Uh, Edo was still averaging over five yards per carry. He's, he's, he is sneaky good. I don't think people know much about him, but he's someone I like a lot. And, you know, you talk about running backs. There is a familiar face on this Falcons team with this Eagles squad. Is Kenyon Barner. He was on the Super Bowl team uh, mm-hmm. playing, you know, special teams for the Falcons. Uh, you know, I'm looking on the Falcoholic website. You're saying he's a bright spot for the Falcons uh, against the Vikings. Yep. How much, you know, do you see him contributing – uh, from a special teams aspect, and then just knowing this Eagles team from his experience with them over the years. Yeah, I, I think anytime you can get a, a player to get some insights into the coaching staff and, and what they like to do, you, you absolutely pick their brain. Um, we, you know, it's funny. We love Kenyon here in uh, in Atlanta. There was a play last year; it, it made all the NFL highlights. I believe at that point he was with Carolina. Where our uh, punter Matt Bosher uh, essentially uh, choke slammed him yes. in, a, in a kick return, uh, and uh, he he endeared himself to Atlanta by uh, just taking it in stride, being a good sport about it, uh, you know, mess around with Matt Bosher on, on Twitter. So when we brought him onto the team, a lot of fans were already fond of him, uh, and he has uh, he has earned his spot. He is our best returner at this point. Uh, I do think this is a one-year rental for him uh, with with the team. The the you know the Falcons are definitely looking to try to get other guys uh, to step up in that returner position, but uh, he has certainly solidified it this year. And you know, with Matt Ryan being from the Philly area, you know, being a, a savvy veteran now, does this game mean a little bit more to him? Do you think, knowing that he's playing against a team that he grew up rooting for as a kid? Yeah, I think he always uh, has special games against the Eagles. It always seems like there are uh, various circumstances that make the games worth a little bit more. You know, there was uh, several years back when Philadelphia came to Atlanta and Mike Vick was playing, and it was sort of, you know, this Mike Vick versus Matt Ryan uh, game that a lot of people in Atlanta media played up. Uh, Obviously, we've had, you know, the playoff games, and, uh, you know, some of those have been pretty significant. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, there's something about Philadelphia and, and uh, with Matt Ryan where the matchups have always seemed to carry a little bit more weight than they normally did, whether through circumstance or uh, just the fact that he was connected to the city. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it'll play out that way again. He loves playing against Philadelphia, even though for some reason he, Matt Ryan just has this curse of not playing well in, in Pennsylvania. <laughs> so we're glad for the game to be in Atlanta this, this time. Um you know, whether it's Pittsburgh or uh, or Philly, he seems to stink it up in, in Pennsylvania. So uh, we're glad it's in Atlanta. And that brings me to my next point. You know, this is the first time uh, the Eagles come down to that new stadium. How much of a, a bonus is it that obviously this is the Falcons' home stadium, but 
Eagles haven't really played here before, so they're going to be getting used to just a new environment uh, for every single player on this team pretty much. Yeah, and it's, it's a different dynamic than um, uh, what the Georgia Dome used to be. Uh, the, the field, everything about it, it's there's a completely different atmosphere. Uh, the way that the field looks and, and uh, feels under your feet, uh, it, it is an entirely different stadium. So there is a you know there is an element of that that will uh, certainly favor the Falcons. Uh, and for whatever reason, the crowd seems to get louder in Mercedes Benz than they ever did the Dome. Possibly just the way they designed the acoustics. Um, hopefully, no one is piping in crowd noise from the speakers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think we learned our lesson with that one. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's one of those things that I think this is it's one of the premier stadiums now in the NFL. Uh, the Falcons love playing there. Uh, I, I don't know that they have a significant advantage versus other you know home stadiums, but it certainly helps to be at home. Like I said. At this point, I'll, I'll take any Philly game that's not in Pennsylvania. <laughs> and then, you know, from an outside of football perspective on the stadium, you know, with Arthur Blank making sure that uh, it's a fan-friendly environment, it's the, the cheapest in terms of, you know, uh, concessions and everything, how much does that play into just bringing fans down to this new stadium and getting them in the building for all of these games? Yeah, you know, there was a lot of um, frustration here in Atlanta initially with the PSL, the you know the privacy licenses uh, before you could even get to the season tickets. And there, there's still some rumblings about that. Uh, but I think what people in Atlanta have realized recently is, uh, you know, the aftermarket ticket sales are, you know, they're still relatively affordable. Um, and then getting there, it gets the fans into the stadium quicker. Uh, one of the, the big things with Atlanta has been fans showing up late, showing up after kickoff because of tailgating. Um, well, now the you know the concession prices, I mean, they're fantastic. To, to be honest, you know, the hot dog for two bucks, uh, unlimited refills and sodas for four bucks. You know, that kind of stuff. You know, for people who like to eat before the game, they feel like they can go to the game, eat there, get some good food, uh, and it makes a difference. I, you know, it's funny the the atmosphere. Uh, for the team is different because the fans are coming into into the stadium uh, much quicker than they used to in the past. Definitely, and I mean that's going to play a part in any uh, circumstance where you're just filling a building up and getting that home field advantage right from the get-go rather than you know halfway through the game. Yep. Um, looking at this game, though, uh, what do you think this Falcons offense has to do uh, to you know be able to be successful against this Eagles defense, get past that front seven, and uh, take it into the secondary where a lot of people think that's the Eagles' weakness because of just the youth in the secondary. Uh, what do you think this offensive game plan has to be like for the Falcons to find success against the Eagles' defense? Yeah, I, mean, I think you nailed it. Um, honestly, the, the run, I feel like, is, is not going to be where they're going to be the most um, successful. Uh, so if I'm the Falcons, I'm going to feature a lot of uh, three wide receiver sets and have Austin Hooper out there as much as possible. Uh, I'm going to have... You know Jones and Ridley trying to, to draw coverage and, and see who gets you know that single coverage and try to take advantage of it. Uh, if I'm the Falcons, I'm I'm passing it. I'm passing it as, as much as possible. Um, and honestly, I think they need to uh, because that one of the advantages to the you know, Mercedes-Benz Stadium is the field. It's a fast field. These guys fly on it, and it's where uh, you know the Falcons really excel when they can get on that artificial turf and uh, just take off. It, that's that is what this stadium was built for. 
And on the flip side, I, th- I think you brought it up earlier, would you say the X factor for this Eagles offense to uh, take advantage of the Falcons' defense would be Alshon Jeffrey? Yeah, I think he's, a, he's definitely a name to watch. Also, you know, uh, Zach Ertz, um, it's going to be interesting to see who he matches up with, with uh, in our secondary. Keanu Neal has done a good job in the past against tight ends, but remember, he's still coming back from injury. Uh, so whether he is, you know, up to speed or not is, is going to be going to be seen. But Jeffrey's the guy that I would keep an eye on because I, I think he's got the matchup. He's up against someone that's inexperienced. He's only started one game, you know, which was last week. Uh, I think he could be a big wild card for the Eagles in this game. And then, you know, for the Eagles' defense to find some success against this Falcons' offense that you know kind of came out flat this this past week against the Vikings, uh, what would you say the the key to success would be to shutting down this Falcons' offense? Uh, get to Matt Ryan. It, it's uh, what we saw last week. When you've got him under pressure constantly, uh, it, it makes it, it makes his job much harder. Uh, you know, Ryan is a very, very good quarterback. He can navigate some muddy pockets. But when he's getting constantly pressured, uh, like almost every quarterback in the league, when, when, you, when you've got your hands in his face, it makes it very hard for him to do his job. So if you're going to shut down, you know, Jones, Ridley, Hooper, Sanu, uh, the best way to do it is to get to the QV. And then for the Falcons, uh, we've talked about him a lot. I think I would say the X factor is going to be Calvin Ridley. Would you agree that he's the guy that could potentially, you know, punch the first victory in for uh, the Falcons in 2019? Yeah, because I think, um, you know, as we talked about, uh, most teams are going to scheme defensively for trying to shut down Julio Jones, and for good reason. You know, he's one of the best in the league. Uh, and the Falcons have to be able to take advantage of that, and that's one of the reasons they brought in Ridley. They want him uh, to see those, you know, those one-on-one matchups and, and to, to win those. So, uh, yeah, I think he is going to be the big X factor uh, in this. Not only for the deep passes, uh, they like to use him on quick slants on those you know, short crossers uh, and, and pick up yards after the carry, and that's uh, that's a big part of this game as well. So, if they're getting a lot of pressure on Matt Ryan and. and forcing him to go into three-step drops. Uh, Ridley could still be a big factor there and just, you know, those quick outs and those uh, letting him pick up yards after the catch. David, it's always a blast to have you on the podcast, especially, you know, during Eagles-Falcons week. It's always a, a heated matchup. But uh, let everybody know where they can read all your stuff, listen to your podcast that you have with the Falcoholic, and uh, follow you on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Uh, of course, my article is at thefalcoholic.com. I'll be writing about the uh, the two matchups, the offense versus defense on both sides for Atlanta and Philadelphia this week. I'll be coming out Thursday and Friday. And, uh, yeah, we've got the Falcoholic podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, all the great platforms. Uh, you can find us there uh, weekly uh, at uh, Falcoholic Podcast. David, it's been a pleasure. And uh, looking forward to Sunday night football against the Falcons and uh, – Hopefully the Eagles come out with a win, but with a, uh, a much more consistent game than the Falcons had uh, against the Vikings. Yeah, at this point, I think uh, many fans are just looking for an improvement of what we saw. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So good luck. Hope we both stay healthy. Absolutely. I'll be talking to you soon, man. Again, thanks for hopping on the show once again. Yep, absolutely. Thanks, Kyle. Got to thank David for hopping on the podcast once again. He's a a big friend of the show when it comes to Eagles-Falcons week, but Calvin Ridley, he's a guy we've talked about on the Goal Line Fantasy Football Podcast a lot, being an X-Factor. You know, I had my hot take about him leading the Falcons in targets this year. 
he's going to be somebody that this Eagles defense has to control and uh, you know be able to shut down. Obviously, Julio's going to get his, but Calvin Ridley's going to be the X factor, and I like that Alshon Jeffrey is putting some fear in the Falcons fans and media's eyes in terms of you know success for this Eagles offense. So we'll see what happens this weekend. Uh, Sunday night football on NBC, Eagles Falcons down in Atlanta. It's going to be a blast. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at Underground PHI for all of your Eagles news and updates. You can get your On the Road to Victory t-shirts on our Design Tree storefront. That's DSGN Tree. Follow them on Twitter at DSGN Tree and it's DSGNTree.com. And for the final time of DSGN Tree, use that promo code DSGN5 for $5 off at checkout. You can get all of your Underground Sports Philadelphia and Outside the Box podcast merch on our storefront. Design Tree does a great job for us, so make sure you check that out and use that promo code to your advantage. And if it's an Eagle shirt, you can use Revenge11 for $11 off at checkout. It's a big discount, so make sure you take advantage of it while you can. And uh, make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews to let us know who your X Factor is for this Eagles-Falcons matchup. Only five stars. We have standards, and we know you do too. And if you don't have an iPhone, you can follow us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we will catch you guys in week three as the Eagles get set to take on the Detroit Lions, where we will have a new guest because the Eagles have not played the Lions uh, since the podcast has existed. So very much looking forward to getting our new guest on the line. But again, big thanks to David and the Falcoholic for uh, hopping on the show this week. And we will catch you guys again in week three. Enjoy Sunday night football. And uh, until next time, I'm Kyle Bennett. We are signing off. Go Birds!